You may be seated. Let's pray. God, we pray for peace in our world. We cry out, peace, peace. But there is little peace. There are wars and rumors of wars. You came to us in Jesus to proclaim peace on the earth and goodwill to all of humankind. And even as Christ suffered at the hands of war, of angry words and angry humans, you suffer at our hands today. We confess that we are the cause of war. Global wars are but a projection of our little wars. Husbands with wives, parents with children, employer-employees, neighbor with neighbor. We are engaged in dozens of hostilities. Help us to see our sin, forgive us, and help us to change to be peacemakers after your will. As we open your word this morning, may you speak to our hearts. Help us to be more like Christ in how we live our lives and our freedom. In your name, amen. You, my brothers, my sisters, my family, my friends, were called to be free, unhampered, liberated, unconfined, unconstrained. Unobstructed, unfettered, independent, freewheeling. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Don't spend your time thinking about yourself. Don't spend your time running from God. Rather, serve one another in love. Care for one another in love. Honor one another in love. Support one another in love. Comfort one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Just to make it easy, to wrap it up in a nice little bow. Love your neighbor as yourself. As Jesus did, so do we. Love Love your your neighbor neighbor as yourself. yourself. Serve one another in love. Our text is a Declaration of Independence that was penned some 1,700 years prior to the U.S.'s Declaration of Independence. And Paul declares in our text, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is probably the key verse of this letter of Paul's. It sums up the whole book. It sums up the message that he wants to get across. Galatians was Martin Luther's favorite book. It was the key to unlock the shackles of bondage that Martin Luther had experienced in his faith walk and his faith pilgrimage. But in Galatians 1.6, Paul warns, I am astonished that you so quickly deserted the one who called you uh, in the grace of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of the book, Paul is on their case. Why? Because there were false teachers among them who were proclaiming false gospels contrary to the teachings of God. These teachers, called Judaizers, 
taught that unless a man or woman was, or unless a man was circumcised, he could not be a Christian. Basically, you first had to be a good Jew. Then you could consider the option of becoming a Christian. Paul's call, though he was a Jew, was a call to help the Gentiles, to share, to share the word with them. And Gentiles are basically non-Jewish people. And he was to share with them, those that know little of circumcision, and what they knew was considered pretty barbaric, Paul was ticked. Paul was angry. The Judaizers basically said that Jesus wasn't enough. It was Jesus plus. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus works. Jesus plus religious rituals. Jesus plus Jewish laws. And Paul was so angry at them because the gospel of Christ is not about being good. It's not about doing the right religious stuff. It's not about performing all of the correct religious rituals. It is the good news or the gospel that in Jesus Christ, God has set free from everything that binds and holds us captive. Let me say that again. Simply this. In Jesus Christ, God has set us free from everything that holds and binds us as captives. Jesus Christ, above and before everything else, is the key to that true freedom that we yearn for and long for. You see, our Christian faith was born in the cradle of Judaism. Jesus was a Jew. The disciples were Jews. All but one of the New Testament authors were Jews. And the centerpiece of Jewish identity was the law. Jews believed that God had identified himself to their ancestors and gave them laws by which to live their lives. And if they lived in accordance to those laws, it would be pleasing to God. And they would be able to have a relationship with Him. If not, they would be estranged from God. Just look at the history of the Israelite nation. The vacillations back and forth and back and forth. Obedience and rebellion over and over again. But as the centuries passed, it became more and more difficult to measure up because the religious leaders would add layer upon layer of religious niceties, ritual requirements, stipulations to the existing law. Recall, most of Jesus' run, uh, run-ins with the religious establishment of the day were due to his unwillingness to observe their nitpicky interpretations his refusal to go by their petty rules when they conflicted with God's intentions for what the law was. Because the law was never to put us down. It was to lift us up. It was to help us live the way we were designed and meant to be. It's a little bit like in your car, in the glove box, or under your seat, you've got an owner's manual. Most of us never look at that until we need it, and then we don't know how to use the woman thing. But that manual can help you with all sorts of things. I can recall when I was working in gas station work to put myself through seminary and college, I recall a lady coming in, and she says, you know something? I said, my eyes must be going bad. It seems like the lights on my dash bar kind of got dimmer and dimmer, and now they don't work at all. And so I kind of fiddled with a couple of things, and then all of a sudden it occurred to me, I wonder, 
In the old days, on the headlight switch, you used to turn it, you know, clockwise or counterclockwise, and that would either brighten the dash light or reduce the dash light. Uh, and so I tried that, and it worked. And, uh, <coughs> and then I referred her to her owner's manual for future issues that might give her some enlightenment to help her operate the car more effectively. But the reality is that none of us could measure up. The people would sin, they'd offer a sacrifice, they'd receive forgiveness, and then they'd sin again. And that's the way it was until Jesus came, the permanent, perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ's death paid for every single sin once and for all. Jesus was God. Perfect remedy, perfect solution for our sin problem. And that, folks, that is the message that Paul is trying to get across. Paul says that he was called to preach Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. The law was important for preparing human hearts to receive Jesus, but in Christ, the law has been perfectly fulfilled in Christ. You don't need to keep the law perfectly to be saved. You only need to put your complete trust and faith in Jesus Christ that He might live through you because He has saved you. And in fact, Paul says in chapter 5 of Galatians, in verse 14, if you do anything, any rule, law, requirement, etc., to God's grace in Christ, for your salvation will be um, uh, alienated from Christ. So, let's pause a second here. Lest we blame it all on the Jewish culture from times past, and on their practices, and think that we're somehow in the clear just because we aren't Jewish, not so fast. Not so fast. We Protestants, we Christians, we Evangelicals, we Covenanters do exactly the same thing. We create our own laws. We create our own rules, our own rituals, our own ways of doing things, our requirements, our standards of acceptance. For example, regular church attendance. You, you expect that. Tithing. Bible study and prayer groups. Appropriate behaviors. Acceptable conduct. Types of worship. Types of worship music. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying I'm not for some of these things. I am. I think they are signs of our maturity in Christ. And my kind of ministry verse is Colossians 1.28, to present everyone mature in Christ. Unfortunately, it is far easier to turn these rules into our own laws. And if you don't do these things just the right way, just the way I would do it, then you don't measure up. And for some of us, it's layers of stipulations that we've added to God's law. Don't go to casinos. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't go to R-rated movies. Or in my home growing up, there was no TV, no games of spinners, money, or dice on Sundays. I always asked Dad, where's the Scripture verse? And he told me 2 Canadians 15.3. <clears throat> Do any of these things and your faith is called into question. Or else maybe you're wearing your super Christian t-shirt that declares to the world that I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do, but I do love Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the problem is if we believe that what it takes to be a Christian, that we place ourselves back into bondage, back into captivity, 
as oppressive as the Judaizers and circumcision. John Winrick is our director of uh, church revitalization. And he shares in the Veritas seminars <coughs> in this expression, we don't clean them and then catch them. Now, you have to be a fisherman to understand that. But a fisherman, you know, doesn't clean the fish first and then catch them and reel them in. You know, we get that all backwards somehow when we practice our faith. We catch them first, and then the Holy Spirit does the cleansing activity. We too often, at least unconsciously, expect the unchurched to kind of clean up their act and act like a Christian before they can come into our church or into our fellowship or into our small group or into our youth ministry. Christ takes you and Christ takes me just as we are. Just as we are. And He offers each of us forgiveness and grace and mercy and acceptance and relationship with His Father. And all we have to do is to accept His gift. It's like this package. It's a gift. And it's a gift to you. To each and every one of you. Everyone is eligible to get this gift. And do you know what's inside? We have to accept it. We have to receive it in order to find out. And as we open this up, we realize that it's And it's got a price tag on it. And the price tag says, can you read it? Paid in full. Christ's activity on the cross has paid it in full. And all we have to do is to receive God's gift. The startling truth is that none of us is good enough on our own. We never have been, we never will be good enough to earn or to deserve salvation. And that's why we are no different than anybody else in the city of Denver, or anybody else in the surrounding communities, or anybody else on this globe. The only difference between us and some people is that we have received a gift. And they either haven't by choice, or they haven't because they haven't heard the gospel the good news of Christ. Our freedom is not as a result of our own self-control, but because we are hidden in the perfected goodness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Christ has set us free. You see, Jesus has set us free from the bondage of our do-goodism. In chapter 5, verse 13, it warns us not to use this freedom to indulge in our sin nature, but rather, in verse 14 of chapter 5, it says, Use this freedom to serve, to live a life of service to and toward others. Not as I have to, but to live it out of love. Love your neighbor. And we can't do that on our own. Chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Walk by the Holy Spirit, and you'll not indulge in the sin nature. We need God's help, and He's given us the Holy Spirit that indwells us to help us to live according to the owner's manual of how we function best so we don't go dim. We don't behave ourselves to belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus and begin to behave ourselves. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. 
But it's a spiritual battle because we have an enemy. We have an enemy that wants to neutralize us. Satan wants us in bondage to our addictions, to our self-gratifications, to our self-preoccupations, our sinful ways. Satan wants us bound by all of those things. And the only thing that counts is faith. Expressing it how? In love. In God's love. You see, Jesus wants to set us free. Free to live. Free to serve Him. Free to love. Free to experience so much that God has given us and has yet to give us. Real faith in Christ loves. We can't help ourselves. Christ's love just flows. God is love, the author declares in 1 John. And brothers and sisters, wouldn't it be great if Faith Covenant Church, if Faith Covenant Church were known as a place where people offer themselves in love and sacrifice to one another and to our community, and I think we're beginning to get that reputation. I was stopped yesterday by a teacher uh, <clears throat> from the Daffodil Elementary School, and she just said a huge thank you again to all of our people that came and volunteered with our students. And she was just so excited about the test scores going up, and she thinks it's directly attributed to us acting out in love. We're hoping next fall to double the number of volunteers that we have that are serving those children. And while we're there helping them to read or do math, we might help them solve another problem of their, of their life also, and that is how to meet their Savior. The Bible, <coughs> God's love letter, it's all about freedom. It's all about liberty in Christ. From Genesis, where it says you're free to eat of any tree except this one, but free to eat of all these other trees, everything I've provided for you. All the way to Revelation 22.17, where it says that we are free to drink of the water of life. It's all in between. In John 8.32, it says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. <clears throat> Chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Faith Covenant Church has been called. Has been called to cry freedom. Freedom to the captive. Freedom to a people in bondage all around us. And may this always be a place where those in bondage and shackles can be loved into relationship with our Lord God and set free to live life with Him. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, who sets us free from our bondage to sin. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and forgiveness. May we live out our lives in God's freedom. Pray this in your name. Amen.
thinking about uh, Pastor Bill's message, and we have been, we are free. God has provided freedom for us through His Son, Christ Jesus. Let's sing to Him and acknowledge that this morning in response. Let's continue this.